Since the dawn of time, humans have looked up to the heavens and thought, who is God? What does he want from me? Okay, enough of the Hollywood dramatics. Fast forward to today, and despite all the technological advances, we are still asking the same questions. What is God like? How can I get to know him? Is it really possible to know what God is like? Well, the answer is yes. And here's how. Welcome to the Faith in a Busy World podcast with me, Steve Griffiths. It's in our DNA, isn't it? We want to know God. We want to know what God is like. And then once we know what he is like, we know we need to shape our lives, our dreams, our ambitions to maximise our time here on earth and have security for all eternity. God created us so that we could know him and having known him to glorify him and enjoy his company forever. Settling for anything less than that is living only a half-life living in the shadows, never knowing what it truly is to have life in all its fullness. We were not destined for that. The pursuit of God, a lifetime dedicated to the quest for God, is the only way to achieve lasting happiness. But there's a problem, isn't there? We are just limited human beings. How on earth could we possibly know what God is like? Our brains are too small for that. Whoever or whatever God is, he is so much greater than we are. He is beyond our wildest imaginations. We don't have the language to express the hugeness of God. How could we possibly talk about a God who is so different from us, a God who is so far beyond us? How can we possibly even know what God is like? And it's an important thing because our eternal destiny is at stake here. In John chapter 17 verse 3, Jesus says in a prayer to his Father, Eternal life is to know you, the only true God. So the stakes couldn't be any higher. To enjoy eternal life, by definition, involves knowing God and knowing what he's like. Knowing God and his will for us impacts on what will happen to us after we die, but it also impacts our quality of life in the here and now. How we choose to live, the decisions we make, what jobs we choose to do, what relationships we build with other people. Everything is impacted by what and who we believe God to be. Knowing God and being in a loving relationship with him is our foundation for every aspect of life. And so, we cannot take our faith in Jesus lightly. So given the importance of knowing what God is like, where can we even start on the journey into that knowledge? Well, fortunately for us, there are ways in which we can begin to get our heads around who God is and what he's like, and most importantly, to understand how that knowledge can transform our lives. Now, I hope you're up for a challenge today, because we're going to be looking at some philosophy as well as biblical texts, and there's going to be some Latin phrases thrown in for good measure, because that's the language used to explore ideas about God. So we've got a rollercoaster of ideas ahead of us so strap yourselves in for the ride well let's put a boundary around this before we start we can't know everything there is to know about god we can't know exactly what god is like because he is so different from us we can never know who he is in his very being the very essence of god but we can know something of what he's like by how he interacts with us and with the rest of creation. Martin Luther in the 16th century wrote about this, and he talked about 
Deus Absconditus, which means the hidden God, and Deus Revelatus, which means the revealed God. The essence of God, his inner being, is hidden from us. It's shrouded in a mystery. But how God interacts with the world is revealed to us, and through that we can get to know what God is like. As Christians, we believe that there are some ways in which everyone in the world can get to know what God is like, even if they're not followers of Jesus. Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 1, and in verses 19 to 20, he writes this, For what can be known about God is plain to them, unbelievers, because God has shown it to them. Ever since the creation of the world, his eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things he has made. So what are these ways then in which everybody can get to know something about what God is like? Well, there are three of them. And the first is that we can know what God is like by what he causes to happen. And the Latin phrase for this is via causalitatis. Via means way and causalitatis means causality or something that causes something else to happen. And an example of this is the created world. God has created the world. So what do we know about God's character from this? We know he's creative. We look at what we know God does or causes to happen and that helps us to find out something about what God is like. A second way of knowing what God is like is the opposite of that. It's what we call the via negationis, or the negative way. And this works the other way round. We believe that God is perfect, so we can look at things that are imperfect and work out what God is like from that. For example, hate is an imperfection, so God is the opposite. So God must be perfect love. Or death is an imperfection where our bodies wear out. So God is the opposite. So he must live forever. And finally, we have the via eminentii, which means the best way, the most eminent way. We believe that God is the best and the greatest thing that can exist. So we look at all the wonderful things in the world and we know that God must be better than all of these. So we might think that creation is beautiful or God is perfect, therefore God must be the most beautiful thing. We might look at somebody who is really loving and kind and we know that God is the creator of love and so therefore he must have the greatest love of all. So these are three ways of knowing what God is like that all people, regardless of whether or not they follow Jesus, can engage with. But they're a bit limited, aren't they? As Christians, we want to go even deeper into God and that's where the Bible comes in because through the scriptures we are taken into the heart of what God is like in a more profound way. So let's look at some examples of that. There are some things we can learn about God that are about who God is just because he's God. If there were no created world, if there was no you, if there was no me, then these things would still be true about God anyway. And the technical term for these things are incommunicable attributes. 
And here's some examples. We could talk about the self-existence of God. He doesn't need to rely on anyone else or anything else for his existence. Do you remember in Exodus chapter 3 verse 14 when Moses asked God what his name was? And God replied, I am what I am. Absolute independence. No reliance on anything else to exist. And in John chapter 5 verse 26, Jesus says, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. Again, complete independence of being, total self-existence. We could talk about the unchanging nature of God. It's what's called his immutability. God won't change. He won't stop loving us. He won't break his promises or go back on his word. In a world where everything is constantly shifting and changing, in a world of deep unpredictability, in a world of chaos and confusion, God is our one constant, the rock onto which we can cling with confidence and unshakable hope. God is our sure foundation. And there's loads of Bible verses to support this. For example, Psalm 102 verse 27. But you, O God, are always the same and your life never ends. Malachi chapter 3 verse 6. I am the Lord and I do not change. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 11. They will disappear, but you, O God, will remain. You are always the same. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. James chapter 1 verse 17. God does not change or cause darkness by turning. So God is completely immutable. He is completely unchanging. We could also talk about the infinite nature of God. He is not limited in any way whatsoever by time or space or the universe. He is beyond everything in every way. In Psalm 145 verse 3 we read, The Lord is great and is highly to be praised. His greatness is beyond understanding. Psalm 90 Verse 2, before you created the hills or brought the world into being, you were eternally God and will be God forever. These are beautiful verses, aren't they? God is utterly infinite. He is beyond all space and time. So these are some of what we call the incommunicable attributes that we learn about God through the Bible. But the Bible also teaches us what God is like through the way he behaves towards us and towards his creation. And these things are called his communicable attributes because they are to do with how God communicates himself to us. Throughout the Old Testament, we read the story of how a whole nation lived in the presence of God and God lived with them and communicated with them. You know the story of Moses leaving Egypt with the people of God and God was with them as a fire and a storm cloud. In the Old Testament, there's story after story of God speaking to people, Adam and Abraham and Moses and the prophets and the kings and so on. God is a personal God in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, we get an even greater sense of God being a personal God because God actually becomes man and dwells among us, full of grace and truth in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. There's a limitless amount of things that God wants to communicate to us about himself. But here's just a few. He wants us to know that he is good. 
Now, that doesn't mean that God is a nice bloke. (laughs) Goodness is a bit more profound than that. Do you remember the story of creation in Genesis chapter 1? And at the end of the creation process, what does it say? Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. That doesn't mean that it was nice. Oh, what a lovely view. But God looked around at creation and saw that everything was good, which means it was just how it should be. Everything in its place, everything operating properly and in perfect harmony. And that's what it means when we call God good. It means that God is just as he should be. He is perfect. He is the ideal God. And that goodness underpins the relationship that we have with him. Psalm 145, he is good to everyone and has compassion on all he's made. Luke chapter 6 verse 35, God is good to the ungrateful and the wicked. Acts 14 verse 17, but he is always given evidence of his existence by the good things he does. He gives you rain from heaven and crops at the right time. He gives you food and fills your hearts with happiness. God also wants us to know that he is holy. Now the word holiness has two different meanings in the Bible. Firstly, to call God holy means that he is set apart, he is separate from us. His purity and his perfection mean that he must be set apart from all that is impure. In Isaiah chapter 57 verse 13 we read, I am the high and holy God who lives forever. I live in a high and holy place. But also his holiness means that he is morally pure as well. There is no evil in God, no sin, no impure thoughts. God is good and God is holy. And thirdly, God wants us to know that he is righteous. God administers justice and he has to punish sin and wickedness. God will not tolerate the existence of sin and through his righteous actions he disempowers sin and the devil and he destroys the power of death. That is what the cross of Christ was all about because the good news of the gospel is simply this. Our sin had to be dealt with, but rather than punishing us for what we've done wrong, God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and take the punishment for us. What amazing love is this? What amazing undeserved grace is this? That he should die so we could live. So these are some of the ways in which God communicates to us what he is like by how he behaves towards us and towards his creation. Okay, so we can know what God is like, not in his very essence, not in his very being, but in how he interacts with us and the world. But why does it even matter? What difference does it make to us to know what God is like? How does that knowledge transform us? John Calvin, a 16th century theologian, helps us to understand that when he writes this. The effect of our knowledge ought to teach reverence and fear and to induce us to ask every good thing from him, and when it is received, to ascribe it to him. So there's two things here. Firstly, as we get to know what God is like, we grow in reverence and fear of God. As Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 says, to have knowledge, you must first have reverence for the Lord. Stupid people have no respect for wisdom, 
and refuse to learn. And we don't want to be stupid people, do we? We want to know what God is like so that we can worship him better and grow in obedience to his will. And that journey into obedience and worship is literally life-changing. As we get to know God better, our perspective on life changes, our priorities change, our hopes for the future change, our goals in life change, the choices we make change. When God is at the centre, everything changes. The darkness and confusion evaporates and it's like we can truly see for the very first time. And secondly, as Calvin says, we want to get to know what God is like so that we can ask good things from him and then give him thanks and praise when we receive those good things. When we pray, we ask God to answer our prayers according to his will. Well, the more we know God, the deeper our relationship with him, the easier it is to pray according to his will. As our intimacy with God grows, we begin to see the world how he sees it. We become concerned for what he is concerned about. We feel the pain that he feels and we want to challenge the injustices that anger him. And so our prayers become more aligned with his will. Get to know God better and your prayer life will become more focused and more meaningful. So getting to know what God is like is a journey. It's a journey that lasts a lifetime, but it's a journey that takes us not only deeper into God, but it's a journey of self-discovery too, as we come to understand better our purpose in life and who we were created to be. So thank you for being with me today. I hope you found this podcast useful and I look forward to being back with you again very soon. Bye-bye. (laughs) 